Hello and welcome to Josh Coleman's podcast, a place to have inspired conversation with interesting people. We're sitting here with Nicole Tufts on Josh Coleman's first podcast, and I have to say that I feel absolutely honored to have Nick on here for this, um, because I've been pretty pretty careful about how I want to launch this series, and the other day we sat down for a little while and, and rapped about what could be done, and it made total sense to start this as the first podcast, so welcome, Nicole. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's really good timing, too, because I wanted to talk about what we're going to be talking about today. Anyways, I wanted to put it out into the public arena in some way, and I think just awesome timing with you wanting to do a podcast and just genuinely being a really open, ready-to-listen kind of human being is just going to be, I think it's one, it's going to be super healing for me, and I think it's going to be a cool thing to, to put out there as well, because I've been a little bit quiet about it, as most people know. I put a couple pictures up here and there, but mostly for family's sake, you know, so... Thanks for thanks for choosing me and thinking of me in this because I think it's just awesome. Well, awesome then I think that's the setup to launch right into it. Let's start do from, it. Start from the start. What happened? All right. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I'll just tell you a little bit about myself, I guess, for anybody who doesn't already know me. I'm uh, 33, in my the prime of my youth, moving into adulthood, and uh, yeah, I've been an entrepreneur for the past three years. Uh, prior to that, I was in the the military, just exercising my my physicality, if you will. I had actually a bit of a health scare before that, so we don't need to get into that part, but I ended up going through the military, got what I needed from that. A lot of travel, a lot of discipline and things like that I didn't really have before, so I got a lot out of that. Came out, become a business owner, which is something that I always wanted to do. Let's talk about those businesses then, because yeah, let's do it. they've been pretty cool. Yep, so uh, yeah, I, uh, I always wanted to open a restaurant. I always wanted to have a place to feed people. I'm a bit of a bit of a health nut. I love cooking. So I did it. I opened uh, my first restaurant it was called Riot Snack Bar. I did that for close to two years. It went really well. Um, it came to its end with the, uh, it's funny, the restaurant started with a bit of drama with water. The whole place flooded before we opened. And sure enough, near the end, Sony and I were getting really, really tired and, and we, we, we thought about closing it. And uh, sure enough, um, we were kind of guided to know that water would be the thing that would close it again. And sure enough, the, the water in the restaurant went black. Uh, we were no longer able to serve uh, people. And so it was, it was kind of devastating, but also super liberating at the same time. So we were freed from that project. A lot of people, just to make this clear, when that closed were quite sad. Yeah. And it's funny though, because I talked to you and I know what this feels like too. You were ready to yeah. end it. So you had already a feeling inside you, I want to end this. And yeah. the temporary nature of something doesn't make it a big bad deal either, does it? Exactly. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's hard for me discussing endings, I think, with a lot of people because I'm usually very <laughs> ready for them. Yeah. Whereas they're usually big or emotional ordeals for a lot of people, but you know. I'm just like somebody who likes change a lot. So for me, it was great. Like it was an opportunity to do something else. It's a lot is... of people's worst case scenario, right? Like a lot of people would, if they lost their security or yeah. whatever it was, that'd be so sad. But I, I love the way you handle situations and change. It's really, really cool. Yeah. And I think that that, I think if everybody gives themselves that kind of permission to just have things end or whether it's a relationship, a business, something that you've held as part of your personality or ego, fuck it the best thing that could happen to you is to have it go away yeah. and then you realize how fucking powerful you are because everything great is on the other side of things that you think are part of your identity that aren't right so it's just one of those things that again it kind of leads into what we're going to talk about today too but yeah i think 
closing things off that you get attached to just it's for me it's great and so after riot closed after riot closed we were actually in the process because of the way my brain works is that i was already planning another business um <laughs> while during the close we opened a donut shop called vandal donuts which has become a bit of a cult hit in the north end of halifax um not accidentally it was totally just like it came out of we were miserable at the other place and so we just started acting like children like like human puppets <laughs> and we started making donuts and just doing things that children would do and like they got quite popular and we weren't surprised because it was just a joke it was genuinely the business was supposed to be like hey this little thing we put it in this crappy hole of a of a dive bar and we were going to do it for a while hopefully it, it went okay we didn't put a lot of money or anything like that into it so it wasn't that serious and sure enough it turned out to be just like an enormous hit everybody knows vandals donuts yeah man you know, that is an, if you're in halifax you know vandals donuts and it's uh it's become quite a cult thing, not only for people in the alternative communities too. That's the cool part of what your business is, is they really reach everyone. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. And I think a lot of that comes from just being authentic. I've had a lot of people come and say, you know, what are you, what are you doing differently? And I say, honestly, I'm not trying. That's it. You know, if we put something up as a joke or we make fun of culture <laughs> or, you know, anything like that, which is what we do with the donut shop. I think that's that's what hits people's nerves. Like we're talking about things that people want to talk about with a friggin' donut. So yeah. like, <laughs> you you can't really beat that. I think, and so it's it's gotten legs of its own at this point. Yeah, and before yeah. we launch into the more dare I say serious, even though it's not so serious uh, portion of this of this podcast, I just want to say that that attitude of playfulness and doing something that would normally like launching a business is a very stressful thing and I'm sure that you felt stressed oh, yeah. during it but coming at it with that playfulness and that creativity and that ingenuity I really think that that's what we need more of in the world totally and as you said people can feel it too yeah yeah and I don't want anyone to have this uh this idea of me that I'm always been like that it's not the case at all I can even say that when I started riot I was probably in the fetal position for the first week yeah. because I was so terrified of what people would think of me or, you know, you're putting something out for not just like your small group of friends. Now it's a, it's a whole city, which has a hundred thousand plus people in it. And just that it was like terrifying. But talk, that's, about, talk about trial by fire, right? Trial by fire. <laughs> but then once you do the thing that you're the most terrified of doing and you realize that it's just, there nothing happened. You just liberated yourself forever from that one particular thing. So it's. I think anybody listening could hear that and gain a lot from just that one sentence. So again, thank you so much. No problem. Yeah, I mean, for me, it worked totally. Now, like, just talking to you a bunch, even a couple of days ago, any other project that comes up, I'm, I'm like, okay, of course. There's no, there's no, like, there's no pause in between my ideas anymore. It's just, it's just constant creation. There's no fear behind it anymore because I've already done, I've already done the fear thing. I've already clutched my pillow at night and you know i hope everybody likes me and then when you realize that no everybody likes you it's fine <laughs> it's fine some people love you some people hate you and you still move on and everything's great right that's so that's a wonderful lesson again that's something i could actually use very much in launching this podcast i have those same some similar insecurities coming up so amazing. i think that you're also a perfect representation helpful archetype basically to help amazing. me into this too so thank you no problem so let's get into the meat and potatoes of this whole thing let's do it yeah so i will Again, just a tiny bit of background information in terms of um, the way these things normally happen for me. So I am a, a born psychic, I guess I'll call it. I've always had visions, dreams, clairvoyance, clairaudience, and that kind of thing um, has been a huge part of my life. Um, so oftentimes, even with Vandal, um, most people don't know this, I actually 
had somebody come to me in a dream and tell me to open Vandal. Mm. So I actually did take that and I was like, well, shit, fuck it. I had a dream about it. Let's do it kind of thing. Um, so getting into this thing here, I'm just going to kind of explain how it happened. So I first had, I woke up in the morning one morning and uh, I often have these weird dreams and communications from spirit. But this one morning I woke up and I found a dog leash that I had thrown away. I, I'm confident I'd thrown this thing away, but it was in the middle of my living room floor. It's bright pink and it was in the, the symbol of the breast cancer awareness mm. thing thing. And I was like, well, that's really weird. I have not seen that in so long. And then when I saw it and I was like, that came to my mind, of course, the first thing I was like, oh, that looks like the breast cancer thing. And I just kicked it aside. I was like, oh, that, that's a weird thing that happened. And then I just went back into my room as I normally do. And I just had this strong urge to look behind my door, which like, who does that? Like, that's odd, right? <laughs> like, that's not just a... And then I looked behind my door and there was a quarter there. And the quarter was a breast cancer awareness quarter. Like, I kid you not. This is all in one morning. And I was like, that's odd. And being, you know, being a psychic or whatever, I was like, it, of course, it would not be me. You know, it would never, I'm too young. It would not, that wouldn't be for me. That message isn't for me. So I started thinking like, okay, who in my family, who in my friend's circle could this be for? And I just kind of kept my eyes open. And sure enough, nothing really came of it. Um, but... Yeah, so it, it, it kind of went away in my mind. So a couple weeks had passed. Then after a couple weeks, I, again, went to sleep. And then I had a lucid dream. And for anyone who's had a, you know, just like a regular dream is one where it's kind of like a little bit fuzzy. You might remember bits and, and parts of it, but a lucid dream is you are awake in that dream. And there is no distinguishing reality from your dream. And for me, this happened... Um, I was visited by my grandmother in the dream and the Grim Reaper, which was really mm. odd, which is, again, not a scary thing. If anyone's listening to this, it's just a symbol. We, in, in dreams, we, we speak in symbols, and that's just how our subconscious mind connects, or speaks to us. And so, anyways, in this dream, my grandmother came to me. She pointed at my left breast, and she said, you have breast cancer in your left breast. And, uh, yeah, I remember just feeling in that moment pretty terrified because the grim reaper was there and i was like who the hell is this guy and uh it turned out just to be a bit of a warning as if you don't change some shit right now mm -hmm. you know there's not there's some not good things coming for you and they i think the expression of of death was one of a lot of things need to end and a lot of new things need to begin and if if you want to continue on in this little physical puppet world so uh so yeah so i woke up this time there was no doubt in my mind it was for me I knew it. That was that was that was it. So it was it was kind of go time for me. One thing that uh, also happened that morning is I actually woke up with shooting pain from my breast all the way down to my arm, mm. and swollen armpits. My lymph nodes were absolutely just like throbbing. And I was like, holy shit! Like if that's not a wake up call, what is right? So uh, the first thing that I did was I researched um, the times and all of the information about mammograms getting tested. You know what that what that process entails. I come to find out that the symptoms I'm having, first of all, are not typical symptoms of breast cancer. So I had a feeling I was going to have a bit of a challenge um, with with the medical system. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, this might be a challenge. I'm going to put out some positive outcome. You were nervous outcome. they would reject you in some yeah. sense or not allow you to go through with the process. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't know if that was like a psychological thing from, you know, maybe, oh, they're going to reject me. You know, I've had some, some interesting experiences with Western medicine in the past, and I trust it for some things, and for others I don't. So mm -hmm. I could have manifested, I don't know. 
Um, but what I did is I did some research and I realized that for people my age, uh, again, I mentioned I was 33 for a reason, um, under 40, typically for women, it's almost impossible to find breast cancer because your your breasts are so fibrous that, mm. that it often just doesn't look like there's anything in there because it's blocked. Um, so the first thing I did is I went for a thermograph. A thermograph is a little bit different. You have to pay for it yourself. So I put up I put up a couple hundred bucks and I got myself tested. And it only takes a couple weeks. Whereas a mammogram, it takes you like the process takes anywhere from a month to two months to even get in. And that's if they doesn't seem yeah. very helpful if you have something like that. But okay. It's <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's a huge huge thing. So what I did is I went for the thermograph. Uh, thermograph testing came back a week later, and bam, it was right there right exactly where they pointed but mm. not only that was also in my right breast as well okay. um, unfortunately with the thermograph they can't diagnose so my next step was to continue on with the western medicine system um, so sure enough I went there got the mammogram couldn't find anything mm. I was like but do these symptoms mean anything to you like my armpits were literally swollen they uh, they were like no that's it you don't even need an ultrasound you don't need anything we sent you home yeah. sent you home that's it. I cried. I was upset. I was like, how am I going to get these people to understand that I, you know, that I know something that... So sorry, you got testing back yeah. to show that you had cancer. That's right. Then you went to the hospital to say, can you please see my cancer? And they said no. Okay, so I should explain that thermo thermography, because it's considered a alternative uh, to Western medicine, it's not really seen as legitimate yet in the eyes of Western medicine. Wait, I, I'm not sure what that is, but clearly it is. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's it's thermal testing to show where... I see, yeah, thermal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so it shows where heat signatures are. So if there's a disease in your body, your body, even if it's tiny, 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 your body is already sending blood and resources to go and heal it. Yeah. So that's why you would have a, a, a heat signature in a certain area. So that's exactly what happened. Is So you were sent away. Yeah. Knowing though that you had this going on, yeah. What did you do next? Um, I'm I'm stubborn as hell, and I obviously knew they were wrong. So I then booked. You can book private ultrasounds, so I did it myself. <laughs> and uh, yeah, very expensive. Uh, this sucks, and this is why I kind of want. The end of this will make sense, but I'll, I'll kind of explain here. Like you don't need, you don't need them. And when you feel like your life is in the hands of these people, it is help. You feel helpless as fuck. Mm. But when you discover that you actually have the power to heal it yourself, in most cases, this is game changer. So yeah, I did feel at first a little bit helpless because of the emotion of it. And I just, more so, I was thinking of other people. I was like, how the fuck can they say, you know, that you don't have cancer based on a test that never works for most people. Mm. And based on saying you have symptoms that don't make sense for cancer, which they do. Even a lot of young people don't even have lumps in their breast. Mm. Which, by the way, I didn't mention this. I did. I had a giant, like, marble-sized lump in my breast. Okay. So it was pretty easy to find in my eyes. Um, so, yeah, I went to New Brunswick. I drove all the way up to Moncton, and I got myself an ultrasound. In which case, they found, um, they found what I found on the thermograph, but then they also found that my lymph nodes in my armpits were the size of golf balls. Mm. And uh, so lymph nodes... If, uh, if there's anybody out there that's not super familiar with lymph nodes, they look like seaweed. Mm. And they do the exact same things as seaweed. They actually are natural filters. So they filter out the crap. And so if your lymph nodes are swollen, that means something's wrong. That means that it's cleaning something out desperately. And if it's clogged, that means that there's just too much in there for it to, to handle. So you, need, you really need to you know, drain your lymphatic system and, and obviously clear that out. So the ultrasound came up with the tumor? Yes. And how did you respond to that? How did you feel? So, in the middle of waiting for all of these tests, um, 
going back to mentioning that I do psychic work, what I did is I went, I leaned more so on um, intuition than Western medicine. So what I did is I started intuiting um, what to do. The first thing that came through was was a communication from my grandmother, who I just communicate with constantly, as my great-grandmother. And uh, she said, fasting. The mm. same fast that Jesus would have done, whether that was a man or an allegory, doesn't matter. The same fast, so for 40 days and 40 nights, that is essentially what you need to do. And here you can do it with juice, you can do it with water, you can do it however your body needs to do it. But That's how it. I found out you were even going through any of this. It yeah. was on Facebook, and I was like, oh, fast for 40 days. And I was exactly. like, that's cool. And then all of a sudden you started to say, but things are... And I was like, wait a second, why are you doing this? And I <laughs> shot you a message and you told me the story. Exactly. Right? Yeah, so yeah. and that was mostly keeping it a little bit quiet just because I wanted to make sure that for me it was going to work before I start sending anybody else out yes. on these, these yeah. wild journeys sure, that I do on course. my... I like being and a that's, human I mean, And that's also very responsible of you because, yeah. again, we ought to be really careful not to send people into things that they're not prepared for or ready for. Exactly. But you are ready for it. You yeah. were ready for it and... yeah. Interestingly enough, so I'm just going to cut to the meat and potatoes. I did the, I actually ended up going to Thailand. And the reason I went to Thailand is because, again, I was told to via invisible people. So, (laughs) and for me, this is, I have full trust in this kind of thing. And for most, this is, it's kind of like fluty stuff, but it is what it is. So I went to Thailand because one, great to be alone super super healing place that was the i was on an island that was setting on top of rose quartz like you can't ask for much better for for a hippie than that (laughs) and uh yeah i wanted to be in solitude because um i did fast a little bit before and i noticed that i became an emotional nightmare Mm. because when you fast and you remove that part of of you it brings everything to the surface that needs to be healed it's beautiful like and it's crazy. Like, I didn't realize how chaotic my mind was. I didn't realize how much shit I was holding on to. Um, I did past life regression on myself. Um, and uh, I discovered I discovered the emotional, spiritual reason behind, you know, the the cancer occurring. So, Did, did yeah. you feel comfortable sharing that? Or would you yeah, prefer... I do. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to kind of explain it in a way that doesn't make it seem like I'm bashing anybody I want to just say first and foremost I love my family to death um, I've had a lot of challenges with them though and I think this is why I'm here I'm here to kind of figure this kind of thing out um, to a certain extent mm-hmm. and uh, I take responsibility for learning from it and not holding on to it however when um, when I did my passive regression this is something I probably already kind of knew but my, my parents had me very young so they had me while they were still in high school when I was conceived, um, when I uh, regressed, I went into my mother's womb and I discovered that my mother actually wanted to have an abortion and Mm. I felt her kind of hitting her stomach and I felt my father being very upset about it and they kind of felt like their lives were over, Mm. you know, and that kind of thing. And, but, uh, the two families were very much against it and and very much pressured my family or my parents into having the baby. And I also discovered that they actually had, my mom had given up or lost a child right before me too which she had never mentioned so there's already some trauma a lot of trauma around around birth and giving my mom had her whole slew of learning with her family and stuff like that too so again i want to say that i don't feel any pain towards them or any anger it's now and and this is a hard thing to talk about when we yeah. talk about uh, the way that our families have affected us or society has affected us or the western medical system has affected us it's interesting because you, 
it sounds like you're being negative, but you're just being honest. Yeah. You're being honest. And it's possible to acknowledge traumas without putting hate or anger or aggression onto these people or these yeah. systems either, I think, personally. So that's one of the reasons also I wanted to chat with you about this because yeah. I know that you can do that so well. Yeah. And I think that's hard too. And it's not easy to do at first. It's, I, you know, I have, I remember years of just like, you know, even when I was fasting, it came up in a way where I'd already forgiven them long ago. And it would come up in a way where it was like hateful. Mm -hmm. It was angry. It was, I almost was like, whew, that's not my mind. That's not my brain. And I was like, oh, girl, it is, mm -hmm. you know? The deeps. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes when you get into doing spiritual work, you don't realize sometimes you are repressing a lot yeah. of shit in order to see more, feel more spiritual sure. or yeah. more connected and spiritual stuff like bypassing. that. Spiritual bypassing. Exactly. Yeah. Fuck yeah. And I think that that happened to me for a long time and even got to the point where it's, it's, yeah. It's almost like the mandala effect. It could go forever. <laughs> but yeah, I uncovered as much as I could, even in terms of just focusing on cancer. Yeah. So when I was, and I think this is so important. I think of some of the old, like, I know it seems like I'm all over, but it, I'll, I'll connect it in. Some of the old things in the Bible, these old things of not having sex before marriage, I don't think it was to repress people. I think it was to, if you're going to bear child, I mean, they didn't have condoms and stuff like that back then. If you're going to bear a child, it should be bear, born in love because that energy that the child is in, in the womb, in the water, I think that that sets you up for the energy of what, what your family connection is going to be and what your, what kind yeah. of your mission is going to be. So um, what I felt in the womb from my my parents was rejection, was, uh, yeah, very much unwanted. And I can tell you from then until now, I can, I can tell you that's been the theme of my entire life mm -hmm. in terms of what I need to learn here and how to overcome that. So I had to overcome that with, always felt like a complete outsider with my family. I never got along with anybody. Even to this day, I don't even go to family functions or Christmas and you know, my, my father's pretty much estranged for me. I don't see him once every 10 years, that kind of thing. So for me, that's, that was kind of something that I had to come and learn, but I didn't realize how much, um, shit I still had towards them until it came up in my breast. Now the breast energetically represents as most, most, uh, most of us know is like the mothering center, mm -hmm. the, the part where you give and you know, it's, you know, the source of love and love. femininity and connection and stuff like that. So it, it makes sense to me that, you know, my connection with my mother was very, very broken. And I felt that even in times doing mushrooms and stuff like that, the, the guides in the mushrooms would come and say, you know what, right there in your belly button, you know, that connection to your mother, that umbilical cord needs to be healed. Mm. And it's funny, I was talking about prior to the military having a bit of a health crisis as well. Well, I did. I had a 20 pound tumor where I have a C-section scar Ooh. where that was removed via yeah. the... Uh, not the solar plexus, the sacral chakra. Okay. So again, the womb, the, the the mothering, the connection and stuff like that. And I was guided to move that connection to Mother Earth if you don't feel connected to your family kind of thing. So yeah, that, that whole thing kind of clarified to me why I would have a breast cancer. Family, nurturing issues, didn't feel nurtured, didn't feel secure, didn't feel loved, didn't, you know, all that kind of stuff. And by the way, not saying this to invoke any kind of sadness it's it's genuinely set me up to be incredibly independent incredibly creative and alchemize that and turn that into you know i think it's fair to say that we can have um we can be victimized and not identify as a victim exactly and i think that's kind of what you're saying right now is we can have awful experiences happen to us yeah. and you got to feel victimized to process it Big but time. that's not who you are exactly yeah. as long as you can come out and realize that it's not 
it's not your identity. I identity, think that's yeah, the big that's thing. thing. Yeah. So that that. So here it. you are fasting. You've you're brought up these issues yeah. in order to understand them more. Mm -hmm. How much further did that go during this forty days? Yeah, it went mm. it went to hell and back essentially. So I think I experienced what would be the darkest I think my mind has ever been, and. It was only until I stopped fighting it. I remember being on my moped. I remember being in Thailand, driving a motorcycle around, just being like, I should be the happiest person alive right now. You know, I'm living the dream of most people. I'm alone, I'm free, I'm alive. I'm on this great motorcycle. The mountains are clear and I'm just fucking nasty in my head, just saying the most terrible things. And then the second mind kicks in, the conscious mind is like, hey man, that's not right. You know, and I keep trying to correct myself. And kind I, of like fighting. Yeah, this internal <clears throat> fight. It's almost like the devil and angel on your shoulder in the in the DuckTales commercial, in the mm -hmm. cartoons, you know. But um, yeah, once I stopped having this other guy come and fight the negativity and I just let it go. I was like, you say whatever you have to say. Just Had to let go of the angel, essentially. Essentially, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Isn't that cool. weird? Yeah, that's cool. Had to let go of the, the guy who thinks that, you know, you have to be good all the time and you don't. Spiritual identity, right? Exactly. So I let go another part of an ego and that's what it felt like. So instead of fighting it off, what I did was every single day I wrote a journal about everything that came up in my mind. And I also journaled every dream that I was having because I, I believe that every one of them was a message to decode as well. And a little bit more information would unfold every single day of the 40 days. And sure enough, it was just like an onion. Every day was something was clearing and clearing and clearing. And then by the end, I was light as a fucking feather. Like I, not only did I feel like the cancer was gone, one, because I wasn't eating. So cancer survives on sugars and starches. So yeah, cool. I took care of the physical element. That was great. And um, I took care of the spiritual element by allowing my little dark seed to fly out yeah. the way it needed to express itself because it hadn't. I always thought I had to be the good person, take care of other people, you know, not allow that to be out, but it wasn't true. I had to let it out. And so I did that and uh, I felt completely free at the end. And it was just, it was unbelievable. Yeah, I'd like to keep talking about that process because you know whether it's a full 40-day fast or not mm -hmm. i do think that that deep work is something yeah. that a lot of people could use in this world and so. maybe even as preventative towards certain illnesses and that sort of thing right like mm -hmm. allowing ourselves to process i know personally i've had the crumble on the floor cry yep. many times and when those shifts in consciousness happen there has to be a breaking point in order for the energy to move right and yep. sometimes those breaking points aren't pretty and they're not fun um how would you recommend that a person does that work, whether it's with fasting in a different way or that way or in any other way? Do you have any suggestion if a person wants to do the deep work? Yeah, it's. I think the one thing that comes up a lot for people is money too and this fear of security. And the reason why I was able to, to hippie off and take care of myself was I had that a little bit of extra money. And then I try and put myself into the shoes of someone who doesn't have that mm. and who's working a job where, you know, you're just getting by. So I try to make this, oh, sorry, I work for everybody. And I'm thinking the best thing you can do for me, and again, this is only my thing, is to isolate yourself. You know, I think that's something that scares the shit out of people. Mm. I think being alone and the fear of being alone is huge. But it's really, really being alone that... The little voice is so loud, you know, and, and it, it allows it to come up and you allow those things to come up and stuff like that. I don't even know if it's fasting that really needs to happen. I think if 
even if you can just isolate yourself and actively do the work or do the journaling, you know, that's one thing you could mm-hmm. do anywhere. Just do the journaling, get yeah. it out and allow those, those experiences to happen. Allow yourself to have those nasty moments. Yes. And if it's anxiety, stop fighting the anxiety. You're, that's your body telling you that it's not, it's not happy with what's going on right now. Like it's time to stop and listen to it and, and let it out. So some form of, of I'm going to say the word retreat, even though it doesn't mean the $6,000 yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> that I only think... some people have the privilege of experiencing, but maybe going out to the woods mm-hmm. or going camping for a few days yeah. or whatever that is for you. But also it doesn't really matter where you are. It seems no. like it's the quality of that isolation that you're talking about, the quality of really being with yourself. Right. I think so. Yeah. And I think, uh, and this is what they did in a lot of the ancient mystery schools, like these Pythagoras and, you know, and, and these guys and Jesus weren't like booking trips to Costa Rica to go to a fucking <laughs> meditation retreat. You know what I mean? These dudes just sat, you know, wherever they could, they sat alone. That's it. You just need to be alone. And I think that that's, it's just all the, the stuff around you that really kind of is maybe prevents you a little bit, a little bit distracting. Yeah. Yeah. And it also is part of those ego attachments, you know, like my, my partner, my, my job, my, this, my, that, you know, if you can give yourself the freedom of being alone, I think that's, that's for me was the most healing thing. I just realized that we left people on a cliffhanger. How's that cancer? Oh, by the way, I guess, uh, (laughs) I think most people can assume by my, the way I'm speaking is that the cancer is actually 100% gone. The other thing that I didn't mention through the whole thing is that it was actually stage three. And what that means essentially is that it's, it moved from the breast to another part of the body, which for me was the lymph nodes. And so stage three is the precursor to stage four, which is considered terminal, which I, for one, after having gone through this experience would not say that stage four cancer needs to be terminal. Although if it's someone's time to pass and potentially you know, you, I, I can't say this is going to work for everybody. So this isn't a quick, no quick cure that's going to work for everybody no. either. And would you say that sometimes the medical system could be helpful as well if they were in Absolutely. Particular, yeah. I think if they, if the medical system can learn to work with, um, the emotional side of the human, yeah. emotional and spiritual side of the human being, if, if somehow we could connect the Eastern and the wetter and the, the Western, say, yeah. I think it'd be great because I think there's an opportunity there um, for a really deep connection because I don't think, honestly, I don't think Eastern medicine would have handled it well either yeah. on its own. And yeah. I don't think that Western medicine on its own could have handled it very well. Yeah, I think we're being called for that integration mm-hmm. in, a, in a very big way right now. Um, I would really like, do you want to do something like that? Just as it stopped probably because of the amount of time. <laughs> um, <laughs> I am a very big proponent of integration when it comes to that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I think that we have such a strong infrastructure that is, as you pointed out, missing the mark in a lot of ways. Yeah. But to use that infrastructure to bring uh, things like meditation and herbalism and emotional uh, attunement and understanding, maybe even creating isolation rooms in hospitals for fuck's sakes with nice pretty flowers and water streams, like whatever it is that we need to do, a journal room or something. Absolutely. Uh, We already have such a beautiful infrastructure with that. And I've gone through a lot of things personally where like I would fight the system before yeah but what i realized is like uh, you know aikido the martial yes. arts you work with what you have in order to bring something new and that is just a lot more effective and efficient exactly. so my big thing right now is integration and uh and but yeah they're gonna have to also step up pretty hard in order to 
to probably the people that work there would have to yeah. do that work too is the thing right yeah you can't, yeah like that, that's the thing we're, we're calling on a big shift in consciousness yeah <laughs> and i don't think it's going to still be a little bit of a while before that happens but the other thing we do too as people is we don't see ourselves as part of the equation we externalize our healing so we expect other people to take care of us even in the spiritual world yes, big time. people will come to you and and expect you to take care of them well that's not the case at all i think in either sector i think okay so western medicine if i have a broken bone and you know and a gash in my arm i'm not going to go to a, a a reiki healer you know like i'm going to go get that shit sewed up right but if i have an internal disease that's caused by blockages and energy and and things that are going on inside me i'm probably going to go see that reiki master that's or i'm right. probably going to sit with myself and meditate on why the you know why the hell should this blockage be there and i think that's we need to educate ourselves too i think like know what you are is huge yeah. what piece of machinery are you working with and i think that tiny little bit of empowerment like would change a lot of things knowing the meridian system absolutely oh my yeah. god like knowing just a little bit about how the energy flows through your body how it works like a computer like there's so much that we can, you can even look at technology and look back at yourself and say, shit, I'm mirrored after that. <laughs> oh shit, we created that after yeah. ourselves. So that personal yeah. empowerment though that you're talking about yeah. and, and doing that work yourself along with somebody else, whether it doesn't matter who it is, but mm -hmm. you're saying that we need to also take that power into our own hands when yeah. it comes to healing, when it comes to processing, when it comes to allowing that dark shit to come up without trying blocking it with our with yeah. our i'm such a spiritual floaty person that I'm, i don't have any darkness mm -hmm. which is horseshit yeah for fucking sure yeah um <laughs> but uh how like yeah that empowerment basically to take into hands that i do need healing and to start to face ourselves and to do that work is i think pretty big news big time and you did that in a very visceral way with that 40-day fast and by journaling and by going inside and by figuring all that stuff out yeah um but i think there's going to be some version of that for many many people if they if they so desire i think so too and there's there are facilities so if you have a lot of money where you can go and and do this kind of work where they just set rooms aside for you and you can fast there and and it's you know you're around already? doctors yeah um nice. actually cool. i mentioned costa rica because there's actually a very famous one there right. um yeah after after i kind of channeled this information i found out that 40-day fasting is has been known since antiquity for okay. for its power to heal many 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 emotional things so yeah when your disease comes into the emotional realm i think that that's when it's important to to do the silence do the work do all that kind of stuff it's funny i remember watching a documentary and i think it was a man you probably know the show people probably know the show but it's where he goes and uh, spends time with different tribes mm -hmm. and in one of them he was speaking to a medicine woman and the medicine woman said there's two types of illnesses one's purely physical and one is spiritual mm -hmm. and she really dis differentiated between them yeah if it was a physical illness i'll just go lay down you'll be fine yeah if it's a spiritual illness we have to do some form of prayer or some form of uh, spiritual healing on yeah. the internal level in order to to exit that particular spiritual illness I agree so I think it's pretty cool also to think that we might be able to learn how to differentiate those things right I think because so. in one not that they don't have some similarity but in one perhaps I've just been eating way too many fatty foods and that's clogging an artery right mm -hmm. but in the other there's a, a, a blockage that's coming from emotional and they could have the same manifestation but as we understand where these things come from that one is we need to change your diet the other is we need to do some form of work or probably both or probably, <laughs> yeah, yeah. exactly like why are you eating yeah, that food exactly. that you know you're you consciously know that you you're going to cause some kind of disease like it's just you know that that whole thing of 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 not wanting to connect the two and i think what you said is right it's normally the both because we live in a world of polarity male and female there's there's this thing where we have we have that 
that law of gender as the hermetics say and again i don't mean this as if there's only two genders in terms of humans i believe whatever you want to believe but in terms of energy there's a negative and a positive a male and a female you could go on infinitely black white up down 100 percent. and i think that physical broken bone you know all that that's that that's a male energy that's a physical healing that has its own style and, and that emotional and that again the western medical system should probably yeah. bandage you up and set your bones 100%. straight yeah thank god for it i mean there's so many things that people would never survive these days yeah. without that but then there's also the female the female the yin yeah the, the emotional spiritual yeah. yeah the the deep dive stuff so yeah just coming back to that i think that i tried to integrate a little bit of both realizing that yes there's probably some elements of my diet that probably caused um, a metabolic reaction in my body that created some form of cellular, you know, chaos and my body couldn't handle it. But the reason for that went back to trying to control and, you know, not feeling, um, despite looking on the outside, I'm a very confident person and all these kinds of things, but independence came from, you know, a little bit of suffering, mm-hmm. right? It came from you know, not feeling wanted. So when you when you feel well, that create way, create my own thing. Then go want, fuck yourself. And that's yeah. alchemy. And that's beautiful. <laughs> and that's what I'd love to see people start doing as well. Is just fucking look at all the shit that went wrong in your life, and how can you create something beautiful out of it? Because that's genuinely that's the path to liberation, right there. We, we touched on that at the very start of this podcast, and I did want to just reaffirm that one more time too. Yeah. Like that attitude of loss becoming something better or being the very force of evolution into your own life when you lose something when something bad happens when something wrong happens then taking the attitude of okay fuck like this sucks but what are we going to do about it how are we going to grow from this where are we going to go with this i think that again if we as a culture started to have that attitude a little bit more then we would also move a little bit quicker in terms of Mm -hmm. evolution and pace exactly Yeah. yeah and i think the one thing we try to do a lot too even myself is externalize and Oh, fuck, no one else is doing it. We're lost, right? No, fuck that. You know, I just take responsibility day by day for ourselves. And you'll, you'll you know, what what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> there would be no war if everybody just took care of themselves. There would yeah. be no, everybody would be disciplined with a, and taking advantage of everything that's going on around them instead yeah. of worrying about what everybody else is thinking, feeling, doing. Yeah. But yeah. So this is going to be a staple question for all of my podcasts, I decided. So I'm okay. going to ask you this. If you just had something that you wanted to share with the world, in other words, a thing, a strategy, a, a suggestion, something that might be helpful to people universally, what would that be? Two words. You're free. You're free. You're free. You're free. No matter how fucking stuck you feel, no matter how bad you think the world could be, no matter how diseased you are or anything of that nature, if you're in prison right now, you're free. There's nothing but the four walls of your mind that really are keeping anybody, in my mind, and this is only my opinion, from feeling stuck. And I feel like the greatest thing that you can offer yourself is learning how to liberate your mind. You're free. Say it over and over and over and it will genuinely, you'll feel it. And that's something that I do when I wake up in the morning during my meditation as I just, I I repeat that mantra 108 times. You're free. You're free. You're free. And I repeat it until I feel it. And then genuinely, genuinely for me, it actually gives me goosebumps. Even just right now saying it, it'll give me goosebumps because you know how fucking true it is. You know that you're not stuck here. You know this is just an experience, right? So for me, that's that, that quells everything. Every problem for me is, is solved by that one. You're free. That's it. 
Well, I want to wrap this up with a big thank you, Nicole. Yes, thanks uh, for having me. It's been wonderful to know you over the years and looking forward to working on projects with you in the future as well. Stay, right. stay tuned for that. Is there anything else that you wanted to say in terms of practicals? Like, no, okay, cool. No. All right, well, again, <laughs> thank you so much. No probs.